Welcome to the Puck and Pigskin Podcast, presented by Belly Up Sports. Just great sports fans talking mostly about hockey and football, sprinkled with a bit of everything else. Now, here's your host, a Flames fan with a Golden Knights backup plan, Jason Bizek. All right, joining me now is uh, Reed Johnson from the Markcast. Reed, welcome to the Puck and Pigskin Podcast. I appreciate it. I uh, interact a lot online. I see you posting a lot of the same things I do, so I'm glad that we can finally do this, you know, somewhat face-to-face, so it's good. Yeah, <laughs> as face-to-face as we can for now. Yes. Uh, let me start by asking you about the name Markcast. Where'd that come from? Yeah, so uh, we we get that a lot uh, because yeah, yeah, my my co-host name is Paul, my name is Reed. Um, so we are wrestling fans first and foremost that we've watched wrestling for you know most of my life, and Paul, and so we go to a lot of like WrestleMania. We went to New Orleans and saw WrestleMania. We went to Texas and saw WrestleMania. And in wrestling, the term Mark is used quite a bit as someone that. Uh, believes like you're all in committed to something that you don't believe that, you know, you believe that Hulk Hogan, right, is the strongest person in the world and can beat everybody and, and all that stuff. And so when we would go to wrestling shows, we would just scream that all the time, call each other Marks, call other people Mark, sit down Mark, you know, shut up Mark, don't do that, whatever. <laughs> and so when the XFL was coming back, um, you know, because we followed it for the 2.0. And then when The Rock bought it and everything here back over a year ago now, I was talking to Paul about getting, I really wanted to do an XFL podcast. I really wanted to get into the media landscape of that side of it. And I said, well, why don't we just call it the XFL Markcast? Um, you know, not podcast, you know, call it the Markcast because we're Marks. And so uh, it is kind of stuck. And then um, once we kind of, for way forayed into other alternative football leagues like the spring league and fan control football and now obviously cfl um we decided that the xfl mark cast name really inhibited us to be able to talk about other because we had always covered other leagues i mean even nfl stuff when it was pertinent and so we dropped it and just kept with the mark cast and i felt like that was good that we didn't have to rebrand too much yeah, if I'm being honest, I, I when I first followed you, you were the XFL Markcast, and I didn't even realize that you dropped the XFL. I hadn't even noticed. Well, <laughs> you know, and, and, and it was one of those things where, I mean, obviously, you know, the logo is still an XFL-inspired logo, right? I mean, that's always going to be part of the story of how we got into, um, you know, as as little knowledge as we had to talk about the XFL when we started, right? So did we when it came to the CFL, right? And that's always been our story as people, you know, coming into something kind of from the outside and, and giving our perspective on it. And so similarly to how we kind of jumped into the XFL, you know, kind of with that rebirth, obviously it forayed really well of us talking to the CFL now, you know, when all the talks and all that stuff came about. And, and obviously even though that all devolved currently, um, you know, it just adds to the story of who we are. We're not trying to say like, Oh yeah, we've been around talking about CFL football for 30 years, you know, and you, you know, I mean, it's very much a part of our story of where we came from. So. Yeah. So uh, talking about the XFL, ha- have you been an XFL? F- were you there for XFL 1.0 or just 2.0? 
So we, I watched XFL 1.0 I because we were big into WWE. I was big into Vince. I was big into WWE. That was, I mean, peak. I mean, and that's the thing with the XFL stuff back in 01 was, I mean, that was peak Vince, WWE, Stone Cold Steve Austin, The Rock, Mankind, you know, Undertaker throwing Mankind off the cage, kind of all that stuff. I have my extreme XFL 1.0 jersey on today, partly because we were going to record, but partly just because I work from home and I just sit and edit all day. But um, so I was, I was, we all watched that. I mean, when Vince started the XFL 1.0, everybody watched. I mean, the ratings that first week, you know, they, they have the gif, you know, welcome to the XFL. I mean, I watched all that live. I saw all of that. I wasn't the biggest um, football fan. And so I, like, I think a lot of wrestling fans that watched the XFL were like, well, this isn't really... I mean, it, it was was trying to be football. I mean, it was trying to be gimmicky football, but it wasn't real. I was like, well, this doesn't really appeal to me. Like, I want to go see Stone Cold Steve Austin. I want to go see The Rock. And so I didn't finish the first season at all, you know, of uh, the, of the XFL. But, uh, you know, tremendous interest. Just Vince was couldn't do anything wrong at that point, right? I mean, that was the height. That was when they launched the IPO. They, you know, they were on the stock market. I mean, everything with the WWE going into that 98, 99, 2000, 2001 was huge. Yeah. So, uh, <clears throat> now I'm not familiar with 1.0, I'm only most familiar with the 2.0. Are the teams the same, or have they got completely different teams the second time around? Yeah, so the problem was the first time around, Vince really wanted to be hands-on, right? He really wanted it to be the NFL. It was, you know, the no-fun league. He was really spurned that... Um, that at the time the ex uh, at the time NBC had lost the rights to the NFL right the NFL was going to CBS Fox or whatever it was back then and so NBC wanted a competitor to the NFL NBC was in with Vince McMahon because Vince had his TV contracts with USA Network and stuff which is you know with NBC and so they kind of went into it together to launch and and it was supposed to be you know flashy and sexy cheerleaders and you know we did didn't do a, a coin toss. They did like a mad scramble for the ball and people, you know, dislocated their shoulders and stuff. I mean, it was this whole thing. There was no fair catches. There was, you know, you could do a lot more defensive pass interference, a lot of these things. And it, you know, it obviously didn't work for a myriad of reasons. Uh, I think uh, the XFL probably could have come back back then. I mean, a, as bad as the viewership was, it was still a lot better than a lot of other things. Uh, when when Vince launched it back again in ninety uh, in twenty nineteen, the idea was I'm going to bring in Oliver Luck. He's an actual football person. I'm going to be hands off except for just name and money. And so the, you know, the teams were different because back then it was like the LA extreme. It was uh, the San Francisco demons, you know, it was the, the Hitmen, it was the maniacs. It was all these things. And, and it was supposed to be a, a much more fan friendly, approachable league here in the, in the 2020 version. Oh, uh, okay. And so uh, who's your favorite team? Obviously the extreme from 1.0, I'm assuming. Yeah, I mean the extreme where they they're the only they're the only XFL champions, right? Cuz the XFL back in 2020, you know, had to get canceled cuz of bankruptcy and all of that and, and COVID and everything else. So the LA Extreme back in 01 is still the reigning uh, you know, uh, 
XFL champions, the game was horrendous. I mean, the the football just evolved at the end. Like if you go onto YouTube, you can watch like old uh, XFL highlights. And I mean, the games, there's no one there. The games, it just was sloppy. They had a really um, ramped up process. The teams had only been together for, you know, weeks when they're getting everything going. They tried to do everything in a year. And so it just wasn't enough time. So when Vince, I guess it was 2018, said, you know, we're going to do a two-year launch. And then they, you know, they kicked off in February, 2020, but they gave them kind of that two year window the second time around. Yeah. And so, uh, who would your favorite players be? Uh, for the 1.0, I couldn't tell you a lot. I couldn't tell you that uh, from, <laughs> uh, from, from the 2.0, you know, you have a lot of guys that are still around, you know, obviously Josh mm-hmm. Johnson, who was back with the jets got released. PJ Walker is the backup in Carolina right now. Obviously Taylor Heineke, you know, the, the winner of, uh, the uh, Thursday night football game last week against the giants, he was a backup for the battle Hawks. So you still see a lot of the guys from this this 2.0 version uh which is cool because it means that there's there's value you know like the cfl for players that can't make it to the nfl for these other having alternative places for these guys to play and still earn some money and you know kind of keep their dream alive uh as challenging as it might be yeah and a lot of people uh probably wouldn't know but there was actually a few cfl players that played in the xfl this last go around wasn't there yeah, um, uh, I, well, I know I know more of the CFL guys from the Spring League stuff that we followed, right? With yeah. um, like McLeod Bethel Thompson came down and did a stint. Now Shea Patterson went back. I think he got signed with the Alouettes this week. He had been released. He was on the Lions practice squad, whatever. So a lot of the guys bounced back and forth, uh, which you know was so funny to me when kind of all the hostility of everything with the XFL CFL came about. It's I'm like all these players all go in all these leagues. I mean, there's no, uh, you know, it's basically the NFL and everybody else. And so I do think the everybody else is better being friendly and working together, which is why the merger talks made so much sense or, you know, partnership, whatever you want to call it. So. Yeah. Most of them just want to play football and they don't care where they play as long as someone will uh, have them play. (laughs) Uh, So what is the status right now regarding the XFL? Uh, Are you up to date on all that stuff? Yeah, I mean, you know, obviously, so we're we're pretty CFL focused right now, right? You know, mm-hmm. we do our weekly um, kind of preview shows. Our episodes go out on Friday, so generally, you know, this week they have the Wednesday game, which is weird, but you know, generally we can kind of do the week preview that way. Um, we're with we're hosted on XFL News Hub, which is I would consider the premier for what it can be, you know, XFL um, news directory right now and of stuff that's going on. Um, you know, there's not a lot and, and, and it's really frustrating. I mean, we've, we've talked about it on our show for a long time about, you know, there need, if you're, there's so much baggage that's involved with the XFL, right. And the letters, it's the same thing right now where we have the USFL coming back, right. Presumably they, you know, they announced mm-hmm. a, a spring launch, uh, this next year there's baggage associated with these old leagues. And so when you're, you know, if you're Danny uh, Redbird and the Rock, right, and you're purchasing the XFL, you're you're assuming that there's enough value with leftover fans with those letters, 
or else you would just start like the RFL, like the Rock Football League, right? I mean, you're presuming right. there's enough. And I, I firmly believe at this point, there, it, it has been so long and there has been so much lack of communication. I don't think there's actually that much goodwill with those letters anymore. I do really think there's only the negative stuff. That's just me. I argue a lot with the other guys and girls that kind of cover mm -hmm. the XFL stuff. I mean, this is just me re-talking, but um, I see the message boards. Like, I don't even post in the XFL groups anymore just because the, the interest is so low because people are just kind of really fed up with, with the lack of information. Now, I imagine having The Rock on board and, and Redbird, that kind of keeps it a little bit alive and gives it a little more credibility, uh, wouldn't you say? Yeah, I mean, it definitely does. You know, it, it gives it more credibility, right, than like the USFL. You know, Mark that runs XFL News Hub talks about that a lot, that, you know, if this was any other, um, you know, the, if this was the MLFB, you know, even the ELF, right, in Europe, we do a little bit of coverage on. But if it wasn't for those names behind it, if it was any other sort of alternate football league, would, you know, would we still be doing uh, weekly, you know, uh, XFL content on the website? Would they still be doing things like that? Probably not. So obviously having that cachet, but it's kind of a double-edged sword, right? Because um, Danny and The Rock were the only bid to buy the XFL out of bankruptcy, right? So, so there really was no other option. So people that are, you know, frustrated, people write in to me. I just had someone message me like an hour before we got on here, like, hey, any update, da, 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 da. Uh, if it wasn't for them, there wouldn't be an XFL because no one else wanted to buy it out of bankruptcy. But yeah. now that they own it, it's really up to them if, if they... I could see it never coming back, right? I mean, I could see, you know, 2023, everything's, you know, everything's up in the air, who knows what. I just, it, it's at a really weird spot where it really did keep the dream alive for a lot of people, but also there is no backup now. Like this is the only option or it's not going to be around. And I don't, having covered the CFL now, having covered the Spring League, having covered fan control football, I'm not nearly as married to the XFL as I was six months ago, nine months ago. I just, I don't carry that same, like, and I'm wearing the XFL jersey, but like, I don't carry that same burning <laughs> desire in my heart right now that a lot of people do. And it actually, I think, pisses off a lot of people that we are not like living and dying by what happens every second right now. <laughs> uh, so... Tell me how a huge American football fan becomes a huge Canadian football fan. Um, so the, the, the whole thing was, and this is the funniest thing in my wife and everything else. Um, like, you know, you had asked about watching the XFL in, you know, 01. I was not the biggest football fan at all, right? I, you know, I used to work in news. We covered the Seahawks. Our news station carried the Seahawks. So uh, I would, I was a Seahawk fan. I would go, like, we would go to the games and cover the games and the practices and stuff. But I wasn't, like, a Sunday football watcher person at all. And when they reannounced the XFL, that was exciting to me because as someone who I do weddings primarily for my business and as someone who works from May until November, um, having a football league in February, March, April, it was very, very nice to me to think like, wow, okay, this is something I can do, uh, you know, for the couple months I'm off, we could go travel to a game, we could go to a game, whatever. So, you know, when, when the XFL launched, we got into that. I've already talked about how, you know, when The Rock bought it, you know, we decided to start the podcast. So the XFL really got me 
back into the NFL because when the XFL went off, I had been watching football, you know, the five, six weeks it was on, uh, you know, here come August, I'm ready for football. And so I was really heading, you know, all, I watch every NFL game now all the time, you know, pretty hardcore fan in terms of that stuff. And so the idea is I, I just really like football and investing in these stories and these players, you know, like I said, we covered the spring league. A lot of those guys you know, have been on the show hearing their stories. They've even, you know, we've had like Ernesto Lacayo, he's the kicker for the Arizona Rattlers, you know, came on co-host of the show, just guys trying to like get their name out there. And so when the CFL stuff came around, you know, obviously we had to talk about that. And now we, you know, have learned enough uh, watching the games and realizing we were probably going to do some CFL coverage anyway, but now that there's no XFL and we're, we're so in with, you know, the media there and the people and the teams and, and, and just knowing kind of at least somewhat of what is happening week to week and everything that, uh, it obviously made sense for us as, as something to continue podcasting about. Yeah, uh, and and you guys have come a long way because I I watched a few of your episodes when you I think first became a CFL fans uh, at least from what I could tell, and you you definitely talk a lot more about CFL now, and you definitely know what you're talking about, and that's really impressive for uh, Americans. <laughs> well, and it, it's a good and niche for us, right? I mean, there's there's so many like. And, and we, I'm in like groups with people, like there's so many like NFL, you know, Bill's NFL podcast, Sam, whatever, we're watching, you know, couch watching Sunday, whatever, all this stuff. Like, you know, being an American podcast, they can talk about the CFL. It is a unique, you know, I would rather be, it's the same with like weddings, right? Like in my business for weddings, like I would rather be like the best, most dominant, like wedding videographer. Like, I don't care about like, destination weddings and traveling the world. Like I just want to own the market that we're in. And it's the same thing with the CFL stuff. Like that's something that's like really definable that we can do and obviously talk about other alternate football stuff, you know, and, and obviously like I watch the NFL every week. We talk about it when it's pertinent, but I would rather be one of 10 podcasts covering the CFL than one of a thousand podcasts, you know, trying to cover the NFL. Yeah, exactly. Now you mentioned uh, the market that you're covering. Uh, how did what made you choose the BC lines? Is that strictly because you're in the market, or is there something else? No. So we we did a whole episode about it back early on. So Paul uh, Paul immediately Paul my co-host shows the Argonauts right Toronto Argonauts. Uh, part of that I think was a little tongue in cheek with the. Um, the MLSE of the whole thing with the XFL and how they were kind of the ones that were spurring that discussion. You know, uh, rumor has it, you know, a lot of the, the partnership talks were spurned by MLSE. Uh, so Paul, I chose the Argonauts. I chose the Edmonton Elks, uh, who at the time were unnamed. I'm a Washington football team fan. So I, I really liked the idea of a team that has no name, right? You know, the football club. Uh, Dave Campbell was one of the first guests we had of CFL Media on our show. Uh, Taylor Cornelius had played in the XFL for the Vipers with uh, Jamie Elizondo as the offensive coordinator. They were going up to Edmonton. So there was a lot of things that um, really made sense for me to be an Edmonton fan. And so then, uh, you know, the season starts, uh, you know, when the XFL talks break up, Edmonton immediately said, you know, thank God we don't want to have anything to do with the XFL. You know, they posted their big statement. Uh, that soured me. 
uh, they uh, lost to the Ottawa Red Blacks, you know, the first week, who's the worst team in the league. Uh, they uh, let go Derek Dennis and upset him. He's a friend of ours, friend of the show. <laughs> and so we were on vacation in Hawaii. And I said, I was just sitting there on the beach and I said, you know, all that the Edmonton Elks have really done since I've become a fan of them is lose to the Red Blacks, you know, piss off Derek Dennis, make fun of the XFL. <laughs> and so Jim Mullen, uh, president of Football Canada, is one of our, our longest time friends of the show. Uh, you know, obviously BC Lions fan, uh, the proximity for us, you know, with BC, you know, I like Michael Riley. That was when the whole Nathan Rourke, Michael Riley who is the quarterback of this team stuff was going on. And so <laughs> I, it made a lot of sense. And then obviously we can travel um, when my schedule allows, we can travel to BC games. So that is the long winded story of that. Yeah. And uh, speaking of Michael Riley, that led right into my next question. How fun is it watching Michael Riley and lucky whitehead? Hey, it is. I've talked about <laughs> it the last two weeks that, you know, there much had been made about Cody Fajardo a couple weeks ago for the Rough Riders, you know, and he had comments this week too about social media and people being mean and all that stuff. But a couple weeks ago, people were getting mad that Cody was doing too much media stuff, was talking too much, was doing whatever. And I said, God forbid the CFL have enough big have have big enough stars that people could be like, oh, it's the Nickelback effect or whatever, right? Like they're too big. <laughs> I you know the CFL needs the marketable stars that they can get. And Lucky Whitehead, you know, coming into the stadium in the scooter with the pinwheel hat, but then also delivering in the games. You know, it's not the Juju Smith Schuster of the Steelers where he comes yeah. out and does all his TikTok stuff and then gets blown out, right? Lucky Whitehead <laughs> can come out. You know, had a monster game. It's someone that is, um, you know, I see him doing social media stuff all the time, doing appearances. That is the stuff that the CFL needs. And so I love it. I mean, I love obviously that he's on the Lions, but I would be supportive of that no matter what team it is because the CFL needs electric people like that to draw in, you know, people younger than me and you to like want to watch the games. Yeah. It's, uh, Juju Smith Schuster blown out by my Raiders, by the way. <laughs> in case everyone missed it. <laughs> I'll tell you, so I, I'm easily swayed. Uh, after Washington football now, I am a Derek Carr fan. I went and saw the stadium. We were in uh, Vegas a couple weeks ago. Oh, and nice. uh, that's that's my sleeper team. I like that. I'm still Washington football, but I, I do. I have a Raiders soft spot in my heart. You know what's funny is, the so after two weeks, he's like the top uh, passer in yards. Uh, he's not the tops in touchdowns, but I mean, we, we've got two wins. He's made some nice plays. Uh, his his passing percentage is pretty good. Yet people are still not putting him in their top five, top ten list. It's just crazy. Well, he's he's an everyman. I like it. He reminds me a lot of um Aaron, of uh, Jesse from Breaking Bad, right? Aaron Paul. That that to me, he's always looked like Aaron Paul with eyeliner. And so, um, I just, I, I love him, you know, his press conferences talking about, you know, my career was like the game and it's up and then it's poop and it's up. I mean, he is someone that I feel like, you know, would be better in the CFL as a, I mean, I don't think NFL quarterbacks should be relatable, right? I think they should be elite, but I do like having someone like him that you can root for. Yeah. Um, so going back to the CFL now, uh, take a quick NFL yeah. break there. Um, so who's been the biggest surprise for you so far this season? Uh, team or player? Uh, let's go both. Let's start with team. Who, who's the biggest surprise team so far? Well, so the Alouettes, when they started out, 
were really strong, right? I mean, I'd heard, you know, okay, Vernon Adams, right? We've got this defense coming out. And, and that first week when I can't remember, it, you know, they had the bye week and then week two was at the Argos they played. It just blew them out. I thought, man, you know, this team, you know, I, I feel very like uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, like defensive, like, you know, uh, pass rushing, right? Sacking. Uh, Vernon Adams, you know, some weeks seems like he knows how to throw a touchdown. Some of the weeks he doesn't, right? I mean, I, I like the emotional um, vulnerability of him, right, in his post-media conferences when he's crying. But I also think that you need to be able to, like, throw an interception and then come out the next, you know, look at Lamar Jackson on Monday Night Football, you know, th throws a pick six and another interception and then comes back and beats, you know, Patrick Mahomes in Kansas City, right? You need to be able to shake that off. So uh, I was obviously glad that that the BC Lions beat them um, this week and you know <laughs> traveled. And uh, I'm 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 pleased with the Lions because I thought that when I when I signed up and got on board that they were going to lose. Here they are, you know, four and four and two, and they're you know they're tied for second with Saskatchewan. I think Saskatchewan has like the tie break over them, but. I feel great about that. I would love nothing more than uh, uh, than America's CFL team, who I'm calling the BC Lions because we yeah. are the, we are America's CFL podcast. We <laughs> say they are America's CFL team. Um, I would love nothing more than to go. We're going to the Grey Cup. You know, we have our flights and stuff bought. So I would like nothing more than BC to play in the Grey Cup. Yeah, I saw that in your most recent episode. You were calling them uh, America's CFL team. Everyone thought that was uh, hilarious. But hey, own it. It's good. Uh, you know, I, to me, like this stuff is supposed to be fun. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and it gets really hard sometimes. Like, you know, the XFL stuff, there was a lot of negativity, right. There was a lot of anger and things and, and it's supposed to be fun. I mean, I'm even like in my wedding role, when I go film weddings, we're kind of like the stress relievers because, you know, you got stress brides or grooms or whoever, and you're trying to like, ease attention and obviously we're filming and doing everything but you know the idea is that it's supposed to be fun and even paul you know my co-host uh can be a little curmudgeon sometimes his work is far more stressful than mine but he even texted me this week and he's like yeah i really think that cfl thing's kind of funny like i really think that that's kind of funny and i'm like well that's good because i mean it's supposed to be funny it's supposed to be like a moment of levity you know you work in, in muck all day you come home it, it's supposed to be fun and so you know getting on with the lions or whoever making fun of you know we made bets with the alwitz flight deck podcast yeah <laughs> you know like it's supposed to be fun and and hopefully we don't you know ruffle like we ruffle feathers in a good way but it is supposed to be fun and i do think that like the feedback i've gotten from our listeners is they're happy that we are involved in the cfl landscape in the way that we are that that some of this was needed that it was a little too you know stuck in the mud yeah it's uh it's very similar to uh rod peterson calling the vegas golden knights uh canada's team <laughs> well that's my homage i mean rod is great. i mean that's 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 my homage to that but uh but you know i mean i can it's we're we're america's leading cfl podcast for whatever low bar that is you know it's like being the tallest short person in the room but you know that is who we are and so they yeah i mean i just it's it's an homage to rod and obviously him and darren and everything that way but uh yeah i i'm very happy with that decision so so we discussed who uh your biggest surprise is team wise what about player wise 
Well, you know, I'm surprised that Michael Riley's still upright, right? I mean, I really thought it was going to be this Nathan Rourke <laughs> experiment all year that way. Uh, we've talked about Lucky Whitehead. You know, the fact that, like, Ottawa still can't figure things out with their quarterback, right? I, I was just getting on the Dane Evans train when that injury happened. You know, again, I it's very easy for me. It, it was even like the Spring League when that was coming out. And, and you know, we had never covered a league before, right? Because we started the XFL podcast. And for people that don't know, the Spring League is it, it is a is a spring. It's going to be the USFL this year, but it's like a spring. Basically, it's a glorified boot camp, but they do games and they televise them. And they, they had done one in the fall last year because nothing was on because of COVID and, you know, there was no college football. And I'm like, how are we going to cover these games? Like, you know, what are we going to talk about? Like, I'm not a, you know, an NFL analyst, right? Like, I'm not going to be able to talk about this stuff. But then you you watch a game or you watch two games and, you know, McCobb Bethel Thompson was on there and he was playing for the Blues. And they talk about, you know, this guy's coming from the CFL and they're not playing and he's kind of a maniac and he's kind of a rogue, you know, <laughs> uh, you know, uh, devil may care attitude, right? Kind of running around. And I go, man, I love that. Like, I love that. And, and, and okay, that's where we can, you know, talk about that, right? Is these players and these characters. And so it's the same thing with the CFL. And like, you know, Jeremiah Mazzoli, okay, he comes out, you know, gets hurt. Dane Evans, okay, I love Dane Evans now. The Hamilton, you know, offense seems to really uh, support him, right? And it seems like they finally got their act together. Now he gets hurt. Okay, now, like, was it David Watford, right? <laughs> they miraculously beat, you know, the St. Peters, right? Is Bo Levi Mitchell done, right? Are we burying him? It, it's just... Oh. I, that's where we're, you know, we're that character kind of study. Like we're never going to be the X's and O's, right? Like talking schemes and, and whatever that way, it's always going to be the characters. Yeah. Zach Claros and Michael Riley seem to be the only, uh, sure things these days. Uh, quarterbacks are going down like crazy. Yeah, knock on wood. Don't don't jinx my Michael <laughs> Riley. Don't please don't jinx that. It's funny because you, you talk about him still being upright. I was watching the Raiders and the Steelers, and every time Ben Roethlisberger got hit, it looked like he was never going to get up. And I just think, how is this guy still doing this? And Michael Riley's the same. He's been getting he's been getting pounded his whole career, pretty much. Yeah, I, I mean, the good, Roethlisberger, if they do have Dwayne Haskins as his backup, I mean, I do think you guys are in good hands. I mean, we let him go from Washington football team because he was in the strip clubs. But I mean, I do think he's a competent, <laughs> uh, I do think he's a competent quarterback. I hope Nathan Rourke. I mean, I, I, I've heard uh, from everything that, that I've heard, you know, they have a lot of faith in him, tremendous faith. And they think that he's, you know, they're in good hands if Michael Riley, if anything happens. Yeah. So yeah, I'm just glad you didn't say your biggest surprise with the Stampeders and, and Bolivar Mitchell because I don't know what the hell's going on there. Well, well, I mean, I you know I assume you're a Stamps fan. I mean, uh, I would have <laughs> kept with Jake Mayer. I mean, I don't get why they. I really don't get that whole philosophy behind it where. You know, they were losing with Jake Mayer, but they certainly weren't losing because of him, right? And right. now Bo comes back, and now it, it does seem like they're losing in part because of Bo, right? Where at least, you know, Jake was having some prog uh, production. They just couldn't get everything going, which is really hard to ask for a new quarterback to come in, you know, week three, right? Never played before and then do all this. I mean, Bo comes back. He's still not right, and then they're still struggling. I don't, I don't get it. It doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, part of me is thinking that Bo came back a little too early. Yeah. But 
We're not doctors, right? <laughs> well, when you say six weeks and then it's three weeks and he's back, I mean, that was like the Carson Wentz thing, right? They go, okay, it's going to yeah. be five to 12 weeks. Well, now what happened this week? Okay, he's probably going to be out again because he got hurt. Yeah. So uh, looking forward now, what do you, I'm going to stick you with some uh, predictions here with the CFL. What do you think is going to shake down the final half of the season coming up? Well, I was going to look at, I wanted to see the, uh, this, the games this week. I know we have... Uh, I know we have Hamilton at Ottawa, or is it Ottawa at Hamilton? I'm looking right oh now. This is terrible. I it, see is, it is Hamilton at Ottawa. Yeah. So I had tweeted earlier this week. I go, what is the scarier match of this week? Is it the Panthers versus the Texans, or is it the Red Blacks versus you know the Tiger Cats? And that was before Tyrod Taylor got hurt. So now that is going to be a very scary Thursday night football game. I, I don't really. So I, uh, you know, I. It would, it would be nice for Ottawa to be competitive, right? I mean, we have friends of the show. Uh, Tim Baines writes for Ottawa. He's been on the show a bunch. I mean, I would like them to be competitive. Uh, obviously, you know, Saskatchewan at BC. BC sold out. They're doing their big giveaway for the Indigenous. They did the whole uh, – they had an Indigenous artist redesign the BC logo shirt. They're giving away the shirts at the at the, the game. They should sell mm-hmm. them and donate the money to charity because everyone wants to buy this shirt. It's awesome. Uh, I don't – I would, I think that's going to be the game of the week. I can't imagine it not being with as competitive as the Rough Riders are. Is that, are you, am I out on an island or are you also excited about Rough Riders at BC? Uh, I'm definitely excited about that. That's definitely going to be the game of the week. Um, I'm of the culture that I don't care who wins as long as it's not the Rough Riders. So, <laughs> so I'm definitely going for BC in that one. Um, and uh, I, I'm actually looking at this week's games, and I'm wondering why is there three teams not playing this week? It's very weird. It's I it, it, there's there's another week coming up too where they have a three. There's oh, so like okay. week ten, there's five games. Yeah, week eleven, there's three. So it's kind of that whole scheduling shakeup kind of thing. It it's oh. very odd and it is weird where we're doing like the one game will be out before we record but it's good i mean we have a show i don't i can't live and die by the cfl schedule too much that way but yeah um, you know montreal with toronto i think toronto's a mess i think they've looked like a mess i think they looked really really bad against the rough riders last week i mean i think that nick arbuckle can't just like he just, I'm just going to throw it. Like, I'm just going to chuck it. I'm, it's like, we're not even close. Like we're not even close to catching the balls. I mean, we have the whole drop pass thing anyway, right. With a lot of the guys struggling to catch it. But a lot of that, you know, I was, I got home late and I was trying to edit some stuff. I had the game here on my iPad and I, Oh, he's throwing it. Okay. Miss. Okay. Miss. You know, we're back to editing again. Cause they just, <laughs> they just can't get anything going. And now they've got the whole uh, coaching staff and Chris Jones and he's like a defensive consultant. I mean, that's weird. So there's a lot with the Argos. Yeah. So uh, do you think anybody's going to pick up their socks and, and make a, make a run for the top teams? Or do you think what, what we're looking at now in the standings is pretty much going to be it? Well, yeah, I'm, I'm looking here. I, I'm scared, you know, if Saskatchewan, you know, gets up on the, on the lions, you know, that, that scares me a little bit, right? It's, it's a six team playoffs, right? They talked about going to eight with COVID. Now it's, it's going to be six. I mean, I have to imagine BC's in there, right? I mean, do the math. Edmonton, if it's Winnipeg, BC, Montreal, Calgary, 
It's going to be tough because Calgary's out, right? Edmonton. So it'll probably be Edmonton, Ottawa, Calgary, and Edmonton. Yeah. Right? Yeah, remember, they're only playing 14 games this season. Yeah. So, I mean, if Calgary and Edmonton lose another game, they're they're in tough. So, And Ottawa, Ottawa as well. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, if it was, it, does that work? I don't know how the how the divisions work out. Yeah, that doesn't work with Winnipeg and BC, right? BC would have to beat Winnipeg to get to the Grey Cup, right? Uh, with East yes. versus West. Well, it, well, it depends. What they do is they they take the top teams in each division, right? But then a team can cross over. It, it goes by points as well. Okay. So the team in the East or West that has more points than the others can cross over to the other side if they have more points than the teams on the other side. Right. So yeah, it's really weird. And uh, so, I mean, if BC were to cross over, then they can meet in the great cup. You never know. Well, I just, my, my fear is I don't think BC is getting through Winnipeg. So, I mean, however we can do it to like, not be, <laughs> but you know, I mean, Winnipeg is a powerhouse, but you know, I mean, it, it showed that they can be vulnerable. Right. I mean, the Argos, I mean, they beat them. So, I mean, you know, Calgary almost beat them, right? If it wasn't for that field goal, that Calgary would have beat them though, for, was it Mayor's second game? So, yeah, I think yeah, so, yeah. It yeah. could happen. Yeah, anything's possible in the CFL, that's for darn sure. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, before we wrap up here, why don't you kind of tell everybody where they can find you, how often they can find you, where are you? Yeah, uh, so we're the markcast.com. We're the markcast on Twitter uh, and, and YouTube and kind of all that stuff. We air episodes on Fridays, uh, both audio, you know, it's on everything. Uh, I was saying, we, so we do have a big show coming up this week. It's weird because it's like, um, you know, some of the games are going on. I don't know, when is this airing? This will air on Wednesday. Okay, so our episode, will be right. that's perfect. So uh, we have Sean Campbell coming on, right? He does play-by-play -play for the Alouettes. He's with TSN 690. We have Daryl Davis. He's a Canadian Hall of Fame reporter. He's coming on. And then we're going to do a, um, a sports betting thing with, we have Steve McAllister. He's a uh, he's with sports, uh, President of Sports Media Canada. Uh, he's going to be coming on to do some sports betting stuff because, like, C218 was going to change the landscape. And I mean, they still really haven't got all that figured out. And so we're kind of curious about that, but we're pretty deep divey CFL right now. Like obviously if, if XFL stuff comes up or, or USFL, we were promised USFL news in September by Brian Woods via text. And we're sitting on, you know, the 21st right now and that hasn't come out yet. <laughs> so I know a lot of um, alternative football fans are excited about, you know, having alternative things because there's not going to be the XFL next year, right? So uh, it, it's a long wait to 2023 if XFL does come back, so. Yeah, all right, excellent. Well, it was great finally uh, meeting you almost face-to-face -face and uh, chatting with you about CFL, and I'll definitely uh, have you on again. Sounds good, man. I really appreciate it. Thanks. All right, have a great night. Hey, everyone. I'm here to tell you about a new craft distillery in Calgary, Broken Spirits Distillery. These guys are making some amazing craft spirits and cocktails, from spice sugar cane to different styles of gin. Broken Spirits are proud to be part of the Puck and Pigskin podcast and want to offer you 15% off your purchase, either in-house at the distillery or online at brokenspirits.ca. Punch in offer code BROTHERS15 to claim your discount. Go in for a cocktail and check them out. You won't be disappointed. I'm here with uh, Jarrett Ryan and Travis Ryan from Two Drunk Brothers in a Podcast. And this is our weekly episode of Betting with the Brothers. 
and uh, they're going to give us some picks for the week. And let's start with Jared. What do you got? Yeah, so I am going to give you probably uh, one of my favorite picks from the weekend in terms of a value perspective. Big time uh, underdog value that I like a lot. It's a college game on Saturday at 2.30 central time, that is. It's number nine Clemson going on the road against North Carolina State. Um, I actually like North Carolina State not only to cover the spread because they're 10-point underdogs. 10-point underdogs at home is a lot. I like North Carolina State straight up to win this game. So some big-time value there. They're plus 290. So that means if you bet 10 bucks, you win 29. bet 100, you win 290. So big-time value there. Uh, Clemson hasn't looked good at all really this year offensively. They scored uh, three points against Georgia. They scored 14 points against Georgia Tech. Uh, and on the other side of the ball, you know, I think North Carolina State has a pretty good defense. Uh, this is a home game for them. I think their fans are going to show up, be loud, be crazy. So if you're if you're too, as you would say, Jason, if you're too chicken shit to take the money line at plus 290, I would definitely say plus 10 NC State is a very, very safe bet. But get the juice at, at plus 290. They're going to they're, they're gonna win this thing. All right, sounds like a good one to me, Travis. What do you th- what do you think? What do you got? All right, I'll roll in with one of my favorite picks by the week. One we just got done talking about, uh, and that is <clears throat> going to be a team that was not very highly looked into to start the year. It's Michigan State, number twenty ranked, three and zero. Michigan State at home. Uh, they get a favorable matchup this week in Nebraska, who's two and two. Michigan State's only five-point favorites at home. That's who I'm taking. Uh, they've looked solid. Jarrett called it last week. They went in and spanked Miami on the road, beat them by 21 points. They've also had a very good quality win uh, in Northwestern to start the year. And then you might look on the other side of the ball. Nebraska, yeah, they had a close game against Oklahoma. But they've just been so inconsistent. They lost to Illinois to start the year. Uh played two really small low-end schools, and then had a competitive game against Oklahoma. I'm not going to let that fool me. I'm not going to let that, you know, phase what direction I'm going with in this game because Michigan State's solid, and I'm taking them minus five. One of my favorite picks of the weekend. All right. Uh, Jared, you you got an NFL game for us? Yeah, I do. Um I got a primetime game. Got to wait a little bit for it because it's the Monday night game this week. Uh, Eagles at Cowboys Monday night. Cowboys are four-point favorites. The over-under is 52. I don't like the spread in this one, and I don't think we've given out an over-under pick on your podcast yet, Jason, but I'm going to do it for you right now. Um, so basically when you bet over-under like we talked about on our very first episode with you, you're basically betting on the total amount of points scored. Um, this one's 52. I think it's I think it's awfully high. I like the under at 52 in this game between the Eagles and the Cowboys. Uh, the reason why is because the Eagles unders in this game in this uh, Eagles unders this year are two and zero, and they're actually their uh, total amount of points scored in Eagles games are falling 15 points on an average, 15 points below where Vegas sets their over under. And Cowboys unders are one and one, but they're falling below their over under total by five points. So. And we saw the Cowboys defense. I think they're really coming into form. Micah Parsons looked great last weekend coming off the edge. Really made it a nightmare day for Justin Herbert. Um, on the other side, you look at it, the Eagles held the 49ers to 17 points. So I see this being a very uh, low-scoring dogfight contest where both teams are going to try to run the ball, especially the Cowboys with Tony Pollard and Zeke Elliott to try to control time possession and really kind of score really not that many points. So under 52, 
an Eagles Cowboys Monday night game. Damn, that sounds on average fifteen points below the the over under. That, yeah, that's quite a that's quite a margin. <laughs> yeah, Travis, what do you got? All right, I'm gonna roll with one that burnt us last week. We didn't talk about this in our podcast, but also I use this as kind of a learning point since we're kind of wanting to enforce inform some people uh, as a different way that you not necessarily bet, but what you can do about certain bets. So we're going to take the Arizona Cardinals at the Jacksonville Jaguars this week. It's a, one of the early slated games. The Arizona Cardinals are seven and a half point favorites. Now, what we're going to do is we are going to, you know, on some sites, you can either buy a half point down to make it seven points. That way you don't need them to win by more than a touchdown. Uh, or on some sites like DraftKings and stuff, there's alternate lines that you can take that make it minus seven. Uh, so it, it makes the odds a little bit, like just a hair less, but it's a lot, it's very much worth it, like in this game, uh, to make it seven. So that way if they do only win by a touchdown, it's considered a push and you get the wager back. So I'm going to take the Cardinals minus seven. I know they burnt us last week. They didn't look too hot against the Vikings. But if they can't go into Jacksonville and beat the Jaguars by more than a touchdown, <laughs> I am going to take away all their legitimacy on their 3 and 0 record that they have. They should be able to beat this team by, you know, 15, 14 plus. Yeah, Trevor Lawrence is not didn't look too hot last week, did he? I mean, no, you're going into a team run by a college coach, not really sure what the hell he's doing, and <laughs> they're just they're going to ruin his career just like the Jets are going to ruin Zach Wilson's career. It just happens all the time. We see we see this uh, movie played way too much with rookie quarterbacks. Hey, I actually like the Jets to cover this weekend, though. I like the <laughs> Jets plus 10.5 against the Broncos. Yeah, yeah. Now, uh, now, Jarrett and I were talking a little bit earlier before you hopped on there, Travis, and he said that he wasn't going to bet against the Dolphins, so he didn't actually pick the Dolphins versus the Raiders this week. So I'm going to turn to you for the for the Raiders bet this week. What are you thinking? I know your listeners, since you got a you got a big Raiders crowd, they probably hate me uh, this time of the year. They're they don't like, they don't hate you because you guys have bet against them both <laughs> weeks, and both weeks they've won. <laughs> They're probably like these guys; these are just Raider haters. Uh, <laughs> that's not the case. Right now, the line's sitting at three and a half, which I think is insanely valuable on the Raiders side at home. Which, given I know the, their last home game didn't really feel like a home game, the crowd would never shut up. But uh, it's it's favorable in terms of the fact that they're not having to travel. Miami's traveling all the way across the country. Uh, we still are not really sure on the status of Tua, which if you saw the game last weekend when they didn't have him, was pretty rough. So three and a half, it, that I would honestly hammer the Raiders. I wanted to hammer the Bills last week and didn't. But uh, this one I might actually get my hands on. Yeah, not really sure of the status of Derek Carr, although I believe I did hear today that they did say he was probable to play. So, um, yeah, Tua took a took a nasty hit, um, and I'm uh, I'm surprised that he isn't at broken ribs. And I would be I surprised mean, to see him. I'd be surprised to see him play this weekend. 
Yeah, Tua would get hurt if he got hit by a butterfly. So, <laughs> but he didn't. He got hit by a Mack truck unblocked because our offensive line were blocking ghosts out there on Sunday. And that's just so. the thing. Like the the Dolphins have so much to piece together. And while we had hope for them at the beginning of the year, I feel like they're still kind of a a long road. They have a long road ahead of them. Yeah. All right. Well, those uh, sound like some great picks, especially that last one. So we'll see what happens this weekend. And uh, we'll uh, chat with you guys again next week. All right. Sounds good. Appreciate everyone's all, Jason. No worries. Have a good night, guys. Yep. See ya. I'm joined now by founder of the Fresh Take Network and fellow Raider fan, Joshua Arbuthnot. Yes, and sir. First thing I got to say is, man, am I jealous. Josh got to go to the Monday night game in Las Oof. Vegas. How was that, hey? Man, it was, um, and it was an electrifying atmosphere. Uh, <laughs> those last, that, that five minutes, I think, was... <laughs> really an amalgamation of the last 18 years of being a Raider fan of the highs <laughs> all the way down to the lows and the highs again. Uh, Cause we really, you know, the Edwards touchdown happens and everyone's losing their damn mind. Drinks are getting thrown in the sky. People are getting <laughs> drenched in beer and stuff, but everyone's like, it's cool. We won. And um, then they turn the, and people are leaving at this, at this yeah. point. And by the way, even before that people were leaving before, the Tucker after the Tucker field goal. So that was already that, that peeved me the wrong way for Raider fans doing that, but there was a lot of Ravens fans that did that. But after the Edwards, what Edward ones goes and then the, and then the interception happens off of, you know, that Willie Sneed should have caught, you know, my head was just down on the ground. A lot of Raider fans had, <laughs> heads were down. Just be like, there's no, we're not this. And it's nothing against the defense. Like, you know, we'll talk about it. The defense has been doing such a great job. It's just, this is what's had happened to us throughout the years. Those bad bounces happen. And we're like, the rest of the league is going to make fun of us because that's what's happened. Uh, I can't believe the Raiders had the game one in their home opener. And then they choked it away like that. And Lamar was going to come down the field, take a big run. So when the fumble happened by Nasib, you know, you're just like, oh, okay. Okay. And then obviously <laughs> the, the pass to Zay and the rest is history. And then, uh, we got to have uh, a good night after uh, the shocker there, uh, but just a lot of them. Even when we were down fourteen nil, it got a little bit quiet in the in the stadium there. But man, they, they call that thing the Death Star, and uh, it definitely lives up to the hype. It is. I've been. I've had the opportunity to go to Reliant Stadium in Texas. I've gone to Mile High Stadium in Denver. I've gone to the Cardinal Stadium. I've gone to. I guess it's now Aluminum Stadium in Seattle. And uh, this was just a different kind of breed. Now, I will say Seattle Stadium was louder, for sure. I will say that, which is surprising because the way that the sound can travel up yeah. uh, with it being an open-air stadium. But just this was a different breed. And even the things that Vegas does to mess with the other team, right? Things you don't see in TV before Justin Tucker goes for that kick, it completely goes black. And they're playing the Raiders pump up video and they have different lights going on and everything like that. Oh, so he's trying to do his warm up and everything. And they just go dark on him. Huh. So a little bit of stuff like that. And, and during, you know, the intermissions of commercials, you're seeing Stevie Yoki in the crowd, Ice Cube in the crowd, little John in the crowd. You had Bruce Buffer beforehand. <laughs> We're sure I didn't get to see Bruce Buffer because 
We had to deal with some COVID stuff, uh, get into the arena beforehand. Um, it's just an electric. It, it it is the it is the amalgamation of what you would expect for Vegas for a, a stadium. They definitely did the right way, and, and and for the game, like I know there's some people talking about yesterday, like, oh well, that was the game of the year with the Ravens and the Chiefs. I'm like, no, come on, we had an overtime game in a stadium that just got christened with its new fans and was all over the place. Had a comeback, had a thirty. It, it that was the game of the year. Maybe I'm being biased, but yeah, just <laughs> um, man, Jason, I. I it's something I'm just never going to forget. It was $300 Canadian for that ticket, and it was worth every single penny. Yeah, that's not too bad. I mean, $300 Canadian. I, I, what's the average price for an NFL game like anywhere? That's actually maybe the cheapest I've paid to uh, when I went to the Seattle because, you know, because of the vaccine situation, um, tickets were starting to go down because the people that weren't vaccinated to get into the stadium, for those who don't know, I believe the Raiders are the only stadium right now you have to have a double vaccination to get in there. So some people oh. that didn't want to do it for whatever reason, um, they were trying to sell their tickets and they just weren't having as much luck. So the prices did start dropping a little bit, but you know, and that's the reason why I ended up going to this game because I had planned to do it at the beginning of the year uh, when the, when the schedule came out, but the tickets at that point were like $2,000. Yeah. And then like, I looked again in like July is like 15. I'm like, okay, no, I, okay. it's a little bit too rich for me. But then, you know, when I started seeing them get around the fours, I was like, okay. Cause normally like the, the, the Seattle game I went to was 600. I think you're looking at about, between three to 500 for an average NFL game for the nosebleeds. And you know what, even for those nosebleeds, even at the flames game, you know, since we are doing this in Calgary, I never really mind those seats to be honest. And I think for a football game, it's so cool too, because you get a chance to kind of, it's almost like your TV view in some ways, you get a chance to see how the plays are set up and everything like that. So yeah, but it was definitely worth every single penny that you, that you got to have. And just, you know, the cool thing was a lot of the fans around us were, uh, Oakland Raider fans. A lot of them came from Oakland. There's oh. a few folks up there from Baltimore. And, you know, there's a nice little trash talk there, but it was very civil at the same time. Uh, we did boo the one Baltimore fan that left after the Tucker Kitty's like, this is done. I'm out of here. And then they wouldn't let him back in, <laughs> fairly enough. Um, so that was cool to kind of be around some of those folks from Oakland. And, you know, we had someone next to us from Edmonton. And I was like, giving them a hug after I'm like, this is one of the only times Edmonton and Calgary are going to be hugging each other after a celebration. <laughs> wow. Yeah. That must've been a hell of an experience. Uh, it even was, yeah. like crazy atmosphere. I'm sure the, I'm sure the TV didn't do it justice at all. Yeah. I got a chance to watch some of the game back and uh, yeah, there's some stuff that didn't, some stuff that I didn't get to see. Like I didn't see Yannick go off at one. We didn't get to really see when Yannick and Gonway got hurt um you know even with Derek uh you know I think Derek there was one point where Mariota was like working out a little bit more and we didn't get to see that um so some of that stuff we didn't get to see as much so that that part of the TV was there but even the the uh, the cheers you couldn't you couldn't hear as much as when you heard in the stadium especially on the Edwards touchdown yeah because looking back at the at the winning touchdown it didn't sound like the atmosphere that you would think would come with a winning touchdown in that situation. Cause the yeah. place must've been going nuts. <laughs> it was. And, and here's a problem, Jason, that I will say about moving from Oakland to Vegas. And I don't think it was affected as much by this game, but you definitely, like you said, it was not, it was a loud crowd. Like I said, Seattle was still the louder crowd I've been to. I think when you move to Vegas, now you are in the LA teams are going to experience this, but Vegas is going to experience this the most. 
Luckily, the Raiders have such a diehard fan base. But because of the city that Vegas is, you're going to have so many other fan bases traveling in now. Yeah. So, and Baltimore is not, you know, Baltimore is a very good fan base, but they're not technically one that's going to, you know, travel well. So it's when we face those um, Dallas Cowboys or those Green Bay Packers or those Pittsburgh yeah. Steelers, those fan bases that notorious Philly, I think, in about two, three weeks or so here, are the Giants fans that will go from their city to Vegas, have a week in Vegas, and then cheer for their team that do have a better following. That will be really interesting to watch, and that's something that the Raiders do lose that they that they no one was doing in Oakland, but they will lose yeah. having in Vegas. Yeah. Did you see that with the Golden Knights at times too, right? You know, people from Calgary travel down to see the Flames play or people from Boston go down to see the Bruins play and then they have a week in Vegas. So you, you've seen a little bit with the Knights, but you've seen also the Knights are able to have a pretty decent fan base there. And the Raiders will have a pretty decent fan base as well. But that is something that comes with moving to Vegas. Mm-hmm. So now let's talk about the game that we just witnessed on Sunday. And mm-hmm. that was another great game in, in my eyes. I thought it was a, I thought it was good. What'd you think? Uh, well, it, it kind of takes us back to that first pod that we did. And I got a lot of heat from people kind of going when we mentioned Derek Carr as an MVP candidate. I know. And, <laughs> yeah. We got a lot of heat. People thought that you and I were pretty crazy for throwing that out there. And uh, <laughs> what do you know, Jason, if you look at the odds today, who is a top three MVP candidate? Yeah. And he leading passer Carr. so far. He's the leading passer so far. The, 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 the and uh, I think it's an odd shark right now. And I think FanDuel has it as well. The three leading MVP candidates right now are Tom Brady, Kyler Murray, and Derek Carr. Not exactly in that order, but that's now where the MVP odds are. It's just two weeks in, but I just want to mark that because when we did drop that, I had a few comments, people slip in my DM <laughs> saying that we were crazy for that. So uh, we look pretty good for that. And it, it got to the point too, when, when Derek got hurt in that minor part in the, in the Steeler game, you're like, Oh no, Mariota's yeah. not in. It's Nathan Peterman. And it's also just like, Derek's we need Derek to be playing right now because he's playing really good. And, and I, and you and I talked about this in the start of the season Derek's such a good quarterback. He really gets slept on. He's such a consistent quarterback. And you've really been able to see this season, you know, like Jacobs not being there really hurt them. So he had to rely on his receivers. And those big three with Edwards, Ruggs, and Renfro, you know, especially with the attention that was done to Waller, those guys all came through. And we were talking about it being a season. (laughs) They're not the biggest name receivers, but Derek is doing, and that's what good quarterbacks do. He makes his good receivers look even better. Yeah, he did a good job of staying away from from Waller because obviously he was targeted huge in the last game. So naturally, the Steelers are probably going to gravitate towards him being the big target again. And yeah, Carr did a great job of uh, distributing the ball. I thought he he really did. And I not having Jacobs was a huge disadvantage in this game. Also, they're coming off a short week, an emotional game at home, traveling across country to a rival in Pittsburgh having their home opener. Uh, and so that could have gone bad for them. And I, I thought from the very beginning of this game, they controlled it. Unlike the Baltimore game where I thought, I thought them not having preseason kind of showed there was a little bit of rust. And we had kind of talked about that. If the, the no preseason would hurt them. And I still think there's a little lack of communication with Andre James, the center and, and Carr that they have to work out. Mm-hmm. Obviously James had that fumble car was able to get on top of that. So that's got to be worked about, but 
you got to give credit to that O-line, Jason. Um, just the way that Tom Cable has been able to work that O-line. You Leatherwood, the rookie, goes out. There were some Bush League calls down the stretch, especially <laughs> the one on Leatherwood. He barely touched the guy. But they um, they just rotated lineman after lineman after lineman in that game. And I think Tom Cable, the O-line coach, has done a fantastic job because <clears throat> that O-line did a good – I mean, the running game definitely suffered in that. But just as far as giving Derek time to for throws – they they excelled. Yeah, every time they they attempted a run and they just got nowhere, and I was just angry, so angry. I'm like, mm-hmm. this is not working. You can't. But I guess they have to kind of throw the uh, defense off a little bit, right? And throw the odd run in or attempted yeah. run. <laughs> Another yeah. thing that Carr did really good was the on the plays where he was rushed, he did a really good job moving around the pocket and, and getting away from the rush. So um yeah he did it seemed like everything came together really well and again the defense um just great I mean I I think coach Gruden talked about this in the presser um you know you can say what you want to say about some of the draft picks some of them haven't hit some of them have but Gus Bradley has been like I was saying at the beginning of the year the best addition to this defense to this team because what he's been able to do to the defense and Solomon Thomas was a great pickup from the Niners already has two sacks had a big one in this one uh, getting KJ Wright, just a consistent veteran, hitting some big tackles there. The pressure that Yannick and Gonway is adding. Casey Hayward has been targeted six times and knocked down every single pass. So these veterans that they've added from other teams, they've done a good job. And you've heard some of the rookies talk about, you know, how they are helping them practice and whatnot. Even the younger players like Mason Crosby and Cleo Farrell, how they've been helping them. And this defense, you know, as a Raider fan, and I know you're a little bit more younger to be in the, in the Raider fan base, but even even being a younger into this fan base, Jason, you can now feel somewhat secure now, I think two games in, when the Raiders are on defense, that it's not going to be a colossal failure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no doubt there. And uh, what do you make of, I was told uh, by my sister-in-law before this game started, she's a Steelers fan. She had us over for uh, a party, but it wasn't a party very long for her. But anyways, <laughs> um <laughs> She told me that uh, apparently Las Vegas had filed a complaint with the NFL about the last game, about it being uh, a little too rough. There was a few cheap hits on Hunter, and we at the game saw them, and we were calling, you know, we were surprised that nothing happened. Uh, okay. uh, Patrick Queen of the Ravens had a few cheap hots, uh, cheap hits on Hunter Renfro, and the NFL did nothing about them, but there was a few extracurriculars after the call, absolutely. And, and we had it in this game too, leading to the – the one lineman spitting in the Raiders' face uh, as well. So oh, I missed so, that. He got kicked. Yeah, when the I think it was the Najee touchdown. Um, uh, got a little bit. That's why he got there, kicked that's, out. That's why he got kicked out because he spat in, okay. in, in, in the face of a Raider there. So I, I think the defense and the offensive line is just getting under people's nerves. <clears throat> yeah, it's good. Uh, that's what the old school Raider football is: get on people's nerves, but don't attack back. Yeah, and another huge plus is our kicker. Like he seems to be pretty accurate. And another and that's rehab project. Come, that's hard Minnesota. to come by in the NFL. Yeah, and uh, he was a fifth round pick of the Vikings, and he had a bad game. Uh, missed two kicks for them, and they cut him. And uh, you know we we're coming off losing Sebastian Janikowski, the long term kicker, and then uh, we had a little bit of stuff in between, but added him. And yeah, Jason. I mean, when he lined up to tie that game. Nobody had any doubts about Carlson. He is becoming no. one of the more automatic kickers. Yeah, so that, that's great to see too. So next up, we got the Dolphins. 
Your former team. uh, (laughs) We we all saw what happened to them this past week. They got blown out. Mm -hmm. Um, Are they as bad as they played against Buffalo or? (laughs) No, no. And I, and I think I I saw a tweet you put on earlier, you know, let's not bash the dolphins or think, you know, oh, this is an easy win because nothing's an easy win in the NFL. I mean, we're looking at the lions and the Packer game going on right now. And, the Lions, you know, had a, str- a rough game against the Niners, had a little bit of a bounce back, but they're playing the Packers really, really tight right now as we're recording this. Mm-hmm. So no week is an easy week for any team, but you're talking about a team that may be down their quarterback in Tua, uh, the go with Jacoby Brissett, who's a veteran, who's a winning quarterback in this league. They have a nice running game there. It is a game the Raiders should win, uh, absolutely, especially with potentially Jacoby being the quarterback there and not Tua, and even if Tua – He's looked a little bit rough. The Dolphins have a very good defense, but so do the Ravens. So do the Steelers. So that's nothing mm-hmm. new for this team. This should be a game that they win and they go th- hopefully 3-0 and and then head into a Monday night game against the Chargers. Uh, I mean, the Raiders' schedule into that bye, I don't know if you've got a chance to look at it yet, Jason. And I don't want to get too hyped up and everything like that, but it's, you know, you have a chance to potentially go undefeated into the bye. You know, you have the Dolphins yeah. up. That's a win. You go to L.A. against the Chargers, which is technically sometimes a home game for the Raiders because there's a lot of L.A. Raider fans still there. Then you face the Bears. Who knows what they are right now? Then you go to mile high. That one is going to be a tough one. Uh, Mm -hmm. Broncos looking good, great defense. And then you face Philly. Um, All possible wins that you go into the bye, you come back against the Giants who look terrible, and then you get that big Sunday night game against the Chiefs. So it's – it's it's a nice little setup right now of a schedule uh, for this team. I think they hurtled off the two tough games at the beginning that I a lot of people had them 0-2. I don't think any experts had the Raiders winning either of these games. And now the narrative has kind of changed today. Like, oh, maybe this team is good. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not expecting uh, Chicago uh, or the Eagles to be really tough. I, I think no. the Chargers could be. And yeah. uh, like you said, the Broncos uh, definitely. So... Yeah, we could we could come out of here, you know, with five wins, maybe even six. So before the bye, yeah, it's it's you know, it's, I think, and I, the one thing I really liked about this team, you don't see a lot. You do see it for some teams, but when Carr got hurt, half the team came out there. Yeah, <laughs> to support their quarterback. Uh, yeah, that Carr mentioned huge. that in his presser. I don't know if you saw Carr's yeah. presser, and he was like, yeah, I did." As soon as he looked up, everybody was surrounding him, and he's like, "What the hell?" <laughs> yeah, and you you kind of saw a huger celebration of the field afterwards in Pittsburgh. This team is very connected, and it's a lot of outcasts. Like I said, no one wanted Solomon Hill. They wrote him out of the league. The Niners wrote him out of the league. Daniel Carlson was written out of the league. You know, Mason Crosby fell out down in the draft because people didn't think he was as good as he would. Hunter Renfro, people have read him out of being a top receiver. He fell down to the draft. Um, Quinton Jefferson, who was a great player for the Bills, no one really wanted him. He fell down. Yannick Ngannway, Ravens didn't offer him a bigger contract. So there's a lot of these guys that have dropped down. I mean, people question the Henry Ruggs signing and we got to get way more of those henry ruggs plays by the way just <laughs> how fast he is we need to see more of that but and Groot, and this is just kind of all what gruden's mentioned just you know a lot of people have counted this team out this year and counted a lot of these players out and those preseason ratings they don't matter you know you and yeah. i knew what this team was uh especially on the defensive side of the ball and they're starting to show teams with defensively they are in the ball and a great offense. I mean, Waller barely got involved this game, and Jacobson a play. Those are the two best offensive players, and they barely had a factor in this game, and they beat a really good Pittsburgh team. Yeah. 
Yeah, that play to play to rugs was uh, very similar to the game winning one last game. To say, only, yeah. they, only it was a left a left post instead of a right post. So, yeah. <laughs> or not a post, a, a corner out. It's a uh, it's exciting times right now. Uh, they did start two and zero last year, so you know you you want to temper your expectations right now. But it does this does feel different, and I think it's mainly because of what Gus, Gus Bradley's bringing to that defense, which. Makes me want to go 3-0 so much more because going to that Chargers game, a lot of Charger fans have been talking trash about us getting Gus Bradley and how he wasn't a good defensive coordinator with them and yada, yada, yada. So I'd love to go into that Chargers game in L.A. 3-0 and then knock them around and go 4-0. Yeah, no doubt. But we can't look ahead yet. Um, we got to look one game at a time. Yeah, um, I haven't looked yet. Um, I should have before we came on. But what is the status of Jacobs? Is he going to be back next game or? So uh, he uh, he's still questionable. And the more important one is that Carr might be questionable for that Dolphins. Game. Oh, yeah. So we'll hmm. see where that goes. They did sign another quarterback today um, to back up that, yeah. Nate, Nate Peterman. If if that's the case, because obviously now on IR, I believe you have to be on IR for four weeks, six weeks. I can't remember. So you're not getting Mariota for a few weeks here. Right. which is bad timing. Uh, I mean, Carr finished the game and he got that big play to rugs. I think if anything, it's just mind games by Gruden. If anything, because yeah. they, they're not, the Dolphins aren't putting the status out of Tua right now. So he's not going to give the status of Carr. I, Carr came back in, won the game. So I don't think there's going to be much of a question if Carr plays or not. Jacobs, yeah. personally, I think we can beat the Dolphins without Jacobs. And as much as my fantasy team would like Jacobs, I would maybe sit him one more game and save him yeah. for the Chargers game. Well, I mean, we beat the Steelers without him, so. <laughs> yeah, I, I, if, if it's a situation of he could play, but maybe it could get worse, I yeah. would sit him for the Dolphins game and trust Drake and, and Barber one more game and save him for that Monday night game because then he'll get an extra day rest too for the Monday night game, and that gives him about fifteen or so weeks to rehab that toe to get ready to go here. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I guess we'll see what happens. Yeah. All right. As always, good to talk to you again, and we'll see yes, you sir. next week to talk about the thrashing on the Dolphins. Let's hope so. <laughs> Until then, cheers. 3-0 Raider Nation. Let's go. <laughs> All right. Have a great night. You do. Go